Welcome to Jury Duty. I'm your host, Carrie Antholis. This season of Jury Duty explores the trial of Michael Barrisone, who was charged with the attempted murders of Lauren Kanarek and Robert Goodwin. Kanarek was struck in the chest by two bullets from Barrisone's weapon, and as it was undisputed that Barrisone fired those shots, his legal team argued that he was not guilty because he was legally insane at the time of the shooting, and in the alternative, because he fired those shots in self-defense. In our last episode, we began our look at the testimony of Mary Haskins Gray, the defendant's girlfriend and assistant dressage trainer. In this installment, we continue our breakdown of Haskins Gray's time on the witness stand through the end of Prosecutor Christopher Shellhorn's direct examination. That's all coming up right after the break. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. As we concluded our last episode, Judge Stephen Taylor called a break and told the jury that the parties were going to discuss the admissibility of certain text messages between the defendant, Michael Barrison, and the witness, his girlfriend and assistant trainer, Mary Haskins Gray. As the trial resumes, prosecutor Christopher Shellhorn shows the witness excerpts from those text messages. Ms. Gray is back on the witness stand. Go ahead, Mr. Shellhorn. Thank you, Your Honor. Ms. Gray, we're just pulling that up in front of you, your text messages between you and Michael Barrison. What are you asking me exactly? You understand that S-171 are the text messages that were recovered from your phone between you and Michael Barrison. Okay, yes, sir. And you haven't reviewed all of those before court today, correct? No. But you did look at some of them before you came into court today? I did. So I'm going to direct your attention to line 6778. Is that a text message from Michael Barrison to you on February 17th, 2019? Yes, sir. And what was the uh, specific text of that text message? It's in column D. How awesome. I've had the experience. I've had that experience with horses, too. Horsemanship is in all we do if we see it. Next, I'm going to direct you to, and we're going to pull this up, lines 2417 to 2420. When the defendant was coaching you as a rider, did he have certain sayings or things that he would say at times when he was coaching you? Yes. And were some of those things that he would repeat on a regular basis? For sure. And did some of them almost become ingrained in, in your mind? Yes. Yeah. And I'm directing you to line 2417. Is that a text message from you to Michael Barrison on May 18th, 2018? Yes, sir. And do you ask him, what are the three things you never want to hear in the arena? Yes. And then the second line where it says, he's this or he's that, I'm trying, and what's the third? Is that you asking him what those Correct. three things are? Correct. And on line 2418, did he respond to you? He did. And did he tell you what the third thing was? Yes. What was that? I know. So if I direct your attention down to line 2420, which is two lines down, what did he say in that text message? I don't care what he or she is or likes. If you aren't trying, why are you here? And if you knew, you wouldn't have this problem. And is that consistent with something or three things that he never wanted to hear a rider say in the arena? Yes, sir. 
Judge, for the record, can I have the date set forth on the record? Judge, that's May 18th, 2018. And the last questions that I wanted to ask you on, on this line uh, would be on line 2528. Okay. Uh, and 2529. Are those two text messages from the defendant, Michael Barrison, to you? Yes, sir. And those are on May 23rd, 2018? Correct. And uh, is the first one, it's the part of horsemanship most people don't get? Yes, sir. What did he say in the follow-up text message to you on line 2529? You want me to read it out loud? Yes, please. Okay. I have a limit on that nonsense. Horse, get a fucking hold of yourself. You will behave. You will not threaten nor endanger me. And you will do what I tell you or I will beat your ass. Funny, it's been working perfectly a long, long time. All right, thank you. Now, in terms of how the work was split uh, at the farm on a day-to-day -day basis when you were there, what were your sort of roles or responsibilities at the, at the farm? Um, I did a lot of the riding, not as much of the teaching, but most of the riding. I had some personal clients and personal horses and would ride what I needed to when I needed to type of thing. And when you say that you were in charge of or did a lot of the riding, what yeah. does that mean? Can you explain that to the um, jury? The training of the horses. Uh, were you paid to work there? No, sir. Did you pay the defendant anything to board your horses there? No, sir. Uh, how many horses did you have living there, for example, in August of 2019? I think eight or nine. Were there any other uh, long-term employees for the defendant? Yes, sir. Uh, who was that? Justin Harden, and then some, some kids that worked for us as working students that had been there for a while. And can you explain to the jury who Justin Harden was and what his role at the, the barn was from your perspective? Justin had been there a, a lot, lot longer than I had, but he would be considered like an assistant trainer. He did a lot of the teaching um, to the ladies and also was a trainer of the horses. Do you know what the name of the defendant's business was? Michael Barrison Versage. And are you aware whether he had a website for that business? I am, yeah. With respect to the website, what is your recollection about what some of the different pages or sections of the website were? I think it showed both the facilities, um, Florida and New Jersey, and then it showed um, picture and information on myself, Justin, and Michael. Shellhorn pulls up on the courtroom TV screen an image of a website. What is S73 appear to be? Uh, maybe the homepage, homepage of the website, maybe. And do you see a date in the top left corner there? Uh, yes. What's the date there? August 8th, 2019. And does this appear to be a fair and accurate, I guess, uh, screenshot or, or, or printout of the way the website looked on yes. that date? Yes, sir. So you said you thought that this was the, uh, possibly the homepage. What does it say under Barrison Dressage? Do you recollect? I don't recall. Underneath that, uh, what did it say in that next line? And if you need to make, you need us to I make it a little that. bigger. We are a full-service, world-class dressage boarding, training, and coaching business with farms in New Jersey and Florida. Our team of Grand Prix dressage riders produces horses to international levels, and we offer limited sales. And the picture there in the middle of the, the screen that would have been on the website is what? The New Jersey farm. And is that the clubhouse that you talked about earlier? Correct. So if we look in the very middle of that picture, you had indicated there was a, like a foyer with some coolers? Yes. Was that the doorway that you would enter it into? It is. And where on this picture would the office be that you uh, looked at pictures of? The far left window, not the building on the other side, but in the front structure, the far left window. Almost uh, where that 
column from the right over behind. overhang comes mm -hmm. on. What was in the building that is to the far left? It was a shop, pork shop. Scrolling down a little bit more, what is Hawthorne Hill? I think originally that was what John Lumberg called the facility. Who do you know John Lumberg to be? It was a partner, he was a partner with Michael Harrison on the New Jersey farm. And is it fair to say then, I won't make you read this whole thing, but is this a paragraph that was on the website that would talk about some of the uh, facilities and what the amenities were at the property? Correct. And is there also an address there? There is. Is that the same address as the uh, property that you were discussing earlier? Yes, sir. All right, next I'm gonna ask you if you could look at S75. And if we scroll down on S75, uh, who's that a picture of? That's myself, that's me. And for the members of the jury who aren't familiar with Dressage, uh, what are you wearing in that picture? I'm wearing the uniform that you compete at FEI level. So it's a long shad belly, we call it a shad belly, so long coat with tails and um, competition helmet and our white pants we ride in, in the shows and then white gloves, so like my competition outfit. And if we scroll down uh, a little bit more, and again, I won't ask you, I won't embarrass you and ask you to read this whole thing, but is that uh, your name as well as a description of some of your accomplishments and what you would offer at the farm? Yes, sir. Next, if I could uh, direct your attention to S76. Does S76 have a date of August 7, 2019 in the top left corner? It does. And that's the date of the shooting? Yes, sir. And again, it has the same logo and, and language about the business in the middle there? Yes, sir. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. In the next part of his direct examination of Mary Haskins Gray, Prosecutor Shellhorn continues his line of questioning about the website for Michael Barrison's farm. As we scroll down, uh, who is that a picture of? Michael Barrison. And again, is he wearing the, the common attire that you would wear for an FEI tournament? Yes. Or competition? Yes, sir. And then does this webpage have Michael Barrison's name as well as some other information about his background and some of his accomplishments in the equestrian and dressage community? Correct. And then the last, be careful pouring that over the table. The last one I wanted to ask you about at this point was S72. Uh, does that indicate a date of August 10th, 2019? It does. And if we scroll down, what is that a picture of? The Florida farm. And that's the farm that you indicated that you would uh, train at when you were in Florida with the defendant? Correct. Now, you indicated that this stable was smaller than the New Jersey stable? It is, yes. Do you remember approximately how many horses this stable could accommodate? In um, this barn, I think 14, I'm guessing, as a guess. And again, with this, uh, with this website, that, or with this webpage, rather, there's the description of the Florida facilities and some of the other amenities that are located there. That's correct. Now, during the summer of 2019 in particular, did the defendant ever express any concerns to you over the way that the farm was running? Yes. In general, what were some of the uh, concerns he would complain of? I would say it was always like management, cleanliness, 
you know, keeping things in order. I want to ask you a few follow-up questions that that's about your own horse ownership. You indicated that in August of 2019, you think maybe you owned eight or nine horses? I did. Can horses be expensive to buy? Yes. What would be some of the factors that may impact how expensive a horse is? Uh, the level of training, uh, competition experience, talent, quality, age. And do people, and I'll, I'll ask you specifically about the dressage community, do people buy horses for different reasons? For sure, yes. Um, what are some of the reasons that you bought and, and owned eight or nine horses? I bought my horses um, to develop, um, either to be competition horses or sale horses. I'm assuming uh, that purchasing the horse isn't where the expenses end? Absolutely not. What are some of the ownership expenses that a, ho a horse owner is responsible for? Board, training, if you, if you go there, um, feed, barrier, vet, competition if you compete. Can go on and on tack riding apparel so uh tack is riding apparel no riding apparel will be like the stuff that you wear boots hat equipment um, and then like the horse equipment and what's tack tack is saddle bridle blankets boots you know everything that goes on the horse how about you just use the term farrier for the members of the jury who don't know what a farrier is what's that it's uh the person that trims the horse's feet the feet grow and they trim about every four to six weeks and they put shoes on or leave them barefoot during the course of time that you were working with the defendant and involved in a romantic relationship with him, did you ever discuss anything about his, his reputation or did you ever see him do any things to reflect on his re reputation? Can you elaborate? Was his reputation important to him? For sure. And why was that? I think... Um, What's the nature of the objection? On what grounds? How does she know why his reputation is important for right. the reasons? Clarify that. I'll have him rephrase the question. You indicated that you ran a business with the defendant, <coughs> worked with him? Worked with him, yes. And we just looked at a number of web pages that marketed the various properties that he owned, as well as himself and the trainers who worked there? Yes. Did you ever make any observations of, of him and the way he would deal with people that would indicate to you that his reputation was important to him? I'm not sure how to answer that. I think. Um in the, in the horse industry, your reputation is, is a lot, you know, how you, how you deal with people and horses, for sure. Did you ever see him interact with other people, coaching other people or training other people besides yourself? Yes, absolutely. <clears throat> and was the way that he interacted with those people the same as how he interacted and coached you or different? Could be different. And what would be an example of it being different? I think he was harder on me because of our relationship and his desire to see me do well and um, my, his belief in my abilities. So. so I guess would the corollary to that be that sometimes he was easier on other people that he didn't coach on a regular basis? Yes. Now during the times that you interacted with him, that you were working with him, that you were in a relationship with him, did you ever know anything about the business that he was running? Yes. For example, uh, did you know anything, maybe not specifics, but you, did you know general things about the finances of the business? General things. And can you tell the jury what you knew? That it took a lot of money to run a business of that size. And at times would he indicate that to you or tell you that he was having issues in terms of cash flow? Yes. And is it fair to say that would be with relation to having cash liquid available? Correct. Do you recall approximately how expensive it was or what the expenses were on a monthly basis to run the farm? I would guess maybe between forty and $50,000 a month. 
And I'm going to direct your attention to uh, S-171. And I believe we uh, would ask for a breakout room at this point, Judge. Why? Now, you indicated that the defendant was um, had a, was married before you? Correct. Were you aware of his finances related to the divorce? Not necessarily. I mean, I, I, I've been divorced, so I know that finances usually get split up. Did he ever share anything with you uh, about how much money he had to pay out in the divorce? I'm sure he has. Shellhorn then returns to the text between Haskins Gray and Barrisone. So first I'm going to go back. I'm going to direct your attention to line 5398. Is that a text message from Michael Barrisone to you in November of 2018 that says, how do you think I keep all this going? 40K a month. I can't go to sleep. I have to be aware every day. That is correct. Are you aware of approximately when Michael Barrison's divorce with Vera Kessels became final? I am pretty sure it was December of 2018. Okay. And so this is a text message from March 19th, 2019. Is that correct? From Michael Barrison? Yes. You? And did he say, I got clipped 965K, hard to feel good? Yes. And was it your understanding, or is that refresh your memory that he had paid approximately that amount of money as a result of the divorce? Yes, or, or was going to have to do that. Now, you indicated that uh, the, and maybe this is my words, not yours, but that the dressage community is somewhat close-knit. Absolutely. Are you aware of an individual involved in the equestrian community named George Morris? I am. And do you know if the defendant knew Judge George Morris personally? I am aware of that, yes. Did something happen to George Morris on August 5th, 2019? Yes. Do you know what that was? He had a lifetime safe sport ban. And was that uh, newsworthy or noteworthy in the equestrian community? Yes, for several reasons. Now, you just mentioned safe sport. Can you tell the jury what your understanding of safe sport is? Um, safe sport is for all the Olympic sports. It's um, something like all of us have to go through as, either as a coach, trainer, rider, owner. It's a course you have to complete and a continuing education you have to stay up, up to date with about all of the basic moral values of dealing with athletes, children, everything from bullying to sexual abuse, all the things that have kind of gone on in the past that have brought us to this point. And um, safe sport didn't exist when you first started riding? No, right? absolutely not. So did it become something that when it was instituted, everyone knew about and yes. talked about? Yes, it was a requirement to, to compete and be an active member. Are you aware whether the defendant was registered or licensed through Safe Sport? I think in the beginning, yes. What is USEF? Uh, United States Equestrian Federation. And can you tell the jury what the role of the United States Equestrian Federation is? Um, well, we have two governing bodies. We have USDF and USEF. Um, in order, also, in order to compete, we have to have active memberships as as rider, coach, owner, they're, they're governing bodies that um, we have to be members of in order to be an active competitor. Now, are you aware of whether the defendant, Michael Barrison, knew people at the, the higher levels or at the administrative levels of the USEF? I am aware of that. At some point, did the defendant ask you to gather information about Lauren Cannon? Yes. And uh, did you have conversations with him about contacting USEF uh, in late July or early August of 2019? Yes, sir. I'm going to direct your attention to S-171, line 93-38. Can you read that uh, text message that the defendant sent you on July 30th? Yes. 
Um, I need every single person who has ever been screwed by Lauren, Rob, and the dad. Barriers, vets, trainers, every single one. I'm going to get her a lifetime ban as a competitor. And are the words every single person entirely in capitals? Yes. Did he then go on online 9342, approximately three text messages later, to repeat every single person all in capitals? Yes. Did you or the defendant at some point make a complaint directly to USEF about Lauren Canrick? Yes. Do you recall when that was? July, maybe in July sometime. I don't remember exactly. Would it be fair to say it was around the same time that that text message was sent? Oh, what was when was that sent? Well, that uh, you just identified that as July 30th, okay. 2019. Okay, then yes, yeah. When you made the complaint to you, the United States Equestrian Foundation, how did you make that? Email. Did you send the email or did someone else? I don't remember, maybe both of us actually. Did you at any point ever uh, collect materials and send them in the, re in the regular mail or UPS? I did. And what specifically did you send them? Um, lots and lots of information that we gathered on Lauren Canerac. Does S-400 appear to be a receipt from the UPS store uh, dated in the top left, Tuesday, August 6, 2019? Yes, sir. And who is the sender? Myself. Who is the recipient? Sonia Keating. What is your understanding or who do you know Sonia Keating to be? I think she was the main contact for your the safe sport. Where it says 8.5 by 11 copies, QTY 756, what does that mean to you? A quantity of 756 pages. And um, would that be the, does that sound approximately like the number of pages that you would have sent as part of this package to the SCF yes. safe sport? Yes. Next, Shellhorn asks Haskins Gray a series of questions that establishes the tense environment on the Barrison farm in the months and weeks leading up to August of 2019. Now, I think you had indicated before that you would train at the Florida farm in the winter months and then come north to New Jersey to train during the summer season. Correct. Approximately, when did the summer season run from? April or May to... November-ish. So in August of 2019, were you here at the New Jersey farm? Correct. That summer, when you moved here in approximately April, May, where were you living? I don't recall the the very first where we were living. It was at the barn, in the barn apartment, or we went straight to the house. I don't recall. But at some point that summer, were you living in the house? Absolutely, yes. And is that when you referenced earlier that you were also living in the house at the same time as Robin? Yes, correct. You also, I think, indicated that Justin Hardin had previously lived in the second floor, but that in the summer of 2019, Robin Lauren were living there. That's correct. What was the reason for the, the change in living situation? Honestly, I can't answer that other than arrangements were made for her to move in and Justin to move out. Well, let me ask you, did anything happen to the house? Were you aware of anything happening to the house uh, at some point during the winter of 2018, 2019? What was that? There was a pipe that burst in the top floor and the, the kitchen that belonged to Justin Harden and the water ran through all floors of the house. And did you actually see some of the damage at some point that had been done by the water? Yes. What floors was that to? Um, from what I understand, it started in the upstairs kitchen and then the ground floor was the whole kitchen area and a little bit into the dining room was needed a full renovation and down into the basement as well. And the basement is where you indicated that the working students would usually live? Correct. Were any of them able to live there during the summer of 2019? No. 
And when you moved back into the house in the summer of 2019, what floor of the house were you living on? The ground floor. What was the condition or state of that floor? It was needed a full renovation. Now, directing your attention to Lauren Canrack and Rob Goodwin, do you recall when you first met them approximately? Approximately, yes. In the winter of, in Florida of 2018. And did they then come back to New Jersey and live, Lauren live and train uh, in New Jersey in the summer of 2018? I don't recall. I think, I think that she came as a client, but I think lived maybe elsewhere at the time. Now, what was the nature of your involvement with Lauren Canerec from a business or a working perspective when she first came to Barrison Dressage? I taught her here and there. And at some point, did that change? In what way? Did the defendant ever ask you to do anything uh, with respect to training or coaching Lauren Canerec? Yes. When was that? I helped her even when she first came. I taught her some in Florida, and then mostly it was Justin, and then I helped her some in the summer of 2019. How did that go? Really bad. Did you express that to the defendant? Yes. What was his response? I'm not really sure how to answer that other than I, I wasn't able to deal with it anymore. So he was, I asked him to teach her. Did you have any professional relationship with Rob Goodwin? Only via the horses and being around in the barn. I mean, did, did you ever coach him, train him? No. With him? No. What would you describe your, your personal or social relationship like with them when they first came to the barn? In Florida? When they first came to work with Michael Barrison and Barrison Dressage, how would you describe your personal or social relationship with them? Non-existent. So you had no interaction with them at the beginning of their... Not really. I mean, I taught her maybe a handful of times the first time, first season in Florida, but no social relationship. Did you ever have a social relationship with them? I would say no. What was, what was your understanding or knowledge, just what you were aware of, of the working agreement or the professional agreement between Lauren Canerac and... The defendant. That I never really knew. Did you ever have any observation? Did you know why she was at the farm? Oh, absolutely, yes. What was she doing at the farm? To work on her riding and develop her horses, progress as a rider. And did she come there to work with Michael Barrison, with you, with Justin Harden? With or Michael Barrison. Did you ever observe them working together? Yes. Do you know if she had any horses at the barn? She did. Do you know approximately how many? Um, the number grew um, maybe four at one time. Are you aware if she was paying any money to Michael Barrison to board the horses, train the horses, or get coached there? Yes, sir. And you indicated that they were living in the farmhouse. That's correct. Now, we just looked at those, some of those text messages between you and Michael Barrison, as well as the receipt from the UPS store. By July of 2019, how would you describe the relationship between yourself and Michael Barrison with Lauren Canerec and Rob? 2019? Yes. The environment and the stable and around them was really unhealthy and toxic. At some point, did Michael Barrison send you a text message telling you that he would make things miserable for them to set? I think that we, you and I have talked about that, but I don't re necessarily recall. Well, let me show you the text yeah. message. And this is on S-171, Judge, line 9080. Is line 9080 a text message from Michael Barrison to you on July 13th, 2019? Yes, sir. And did he text you, I will just make it so miserable to be here that they will beg to go elsewhere, watch me. This I am very, very good at. Yes. Is it fair to say that during the course of July 2019 and August 2019, there were conversations between you and the defendant about ways to get rid of Lauren Canerec and Rob Good? Yes, to get them off the farm, yes. 
Now, you mentioned that you were living in the farmhouse with Michael Barrison and that Lauren and Rob were living upstairs. Yes. At some point that summer, do you recall if you moved out of the farmhouse? We did. Do you remember approximately when that was? End of July. And where did you go? Up to the clubhouse, club room. At times during uh, the beginning of August 2019, when you were living up at the clubhouse at this point, uh, did other people come to stay at the back? They did. Recall who some of those people may have been. My father, my son was there at some point, uh, Ruth Cox, Mary DeFranco, some of the kids were there, the parents type of thing. And so Ruth Cox, for example, who is Ruth Cox? Um, Ruth is um, a person that I owned a horse with and Michael owned a horse with. I actually owned two horses with. So he's a, a partner and a friend and client. And how frequently would you, would you say that she would come to the box? Quite often. I'm going to show you what's uh, line 9350 on S171. And if you, is that uh, a text message from Michael Barrison to you on August 3rd, 2019? Yes. Did he tell you, I need people here, adults, granddad, I told Ruth she can't leave, they will be broken by force of numbers? That is correct. And that was after you had moved out of the farmhouse and up to the clubhouse? That's correct. And I forget, I think you had said that it was very, the things up there were very toxic or something to that effect? That's an understatement. Now, were you aware in the beginning of August 2019, so after you move out of the farmhouse on about July 30th, you're living in the clubhouse, for those first couple of days in August of 2019, are you aware of whether anyone explicitly told Lauren and Rob to leave the pub? At some point, yes. It was said through, I think I actually said it at one point, it was said through an attorney in a meeting. Um, so, yes. Are you aware of whether Michael Barrison ever told him to? I'm not aware of that. Is 9364 a text message from you to Michael Barrison on August 3rd, 2019? Yes. And did you ask him, why can we not say to Lauren and Rob and the father, because still no one actually has, we are evicting you, you must leave, no one has said. That's correct. And it's his response to you on line 9365, Monday morning. Yes, that's correct. There were technical glitches in the next part of our trial recording, and so we missed Shellhorn's questioning of Haskins Gray about the August 7, 2019 arrival at the Barrison farm of a caseworker from Child Protective Services who appeared to be responding to a report filed by Lauren Kanarek that Haskins Gray's children were at risk. We pick up Shellhorn's questioning just after Haskins Gray tells Shellhorn that she met with the Child Protective Services caseworker in the clubhouse office. Was anyone else in that room when you were having substantive conversations with her about why she was there? No. Did anyone ever interrupt you? Yes. Who is that? Michael Barrison. Do you recall how many times he interrupted you? Three, maybe. And without getting into specifically what the uh, caseworker may have said after she told him something, what did he do? Would he stay in the room or leave? Oh, he would leave. At some point, did he come back into the room and uh, ask you to leave the room? Yes. Where did you go after you left the room? We went to the room adjacent to the office. And did that have a door on it? It did. Were you able to see where Michael Garrison went or what he did after he asked you to leave the office? No. What were your observations of his demeanor at the time that the caseworker arrived? Terrified, horrified, and panic, despondent, I mean, just completely upset. Did you see him um, at that point running around the clubhouse or the barn at all? No. Did he raise his voice or yell or scream or anything at that point? No, not that I'm aware of. 
Now, at some point, did you become aware that there were police at 411 West Mill Road on August 7th? Yes. Do you recall how you became aware of that? I think I had come out of the office and my father was actually walking up the driveway. So he told me. Again, the trial audio becomes inaudible for the final few questions of the prosecutor's direct examination. However, as Ms. Haskins Gray did not observe the shooting or its aftermath, there does not appear to have been much substance raised with those questions. And so, we bring to a close this episode of Jury Duty, the trial of Michael Barrison. Join us on our next installment as we continue our look at the testimony of Mary Haskins Gray, including her cross-examination by Barrison attorney Edward Belinkus. Also, if you want to listen to these episodes early and ad-free, head over to our Jury Duty Crime Story Patreon page. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. You can find more information about this trial on our Jury Duty Crime Story Patreon page or at CrimeStory.com. Jury Duty is created, hosted, and produced by yours truly, Carrie Antholis. It was co-produced and edited by Chris Taracone. Music for this episode was provided by Strike Audio, and trial audio is courtesy of Law and Crime Networks. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you will come back for the next episode of Jury Duty, The Trial of Michael Barrison. <laughs>